0: Well, I have a confession to make. I don't watch very much um, South African TV. Um, I don't really understand most of it. There was, but I saw, I heard a thing the other day after the program that was on. It must have been an um, Australian dog program or something, Itchy Dingo, it was, that, <laughs> is, that, is that what that is? That's not it? I don't know, it was after that program. And, um, yeah, I didn't get it either. It didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. I, but there was this uh, little, little factoid, and I thought I would share it with you because it would be a blessing. Um, you know, they say that, the, and this, this factoid said that women who have a few extra pounds live nearly twice as long as the man who mentions it. So, yeah, that's all the TV I could watch after that. I don't know. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Yes, we love Jesus. You know, um, that's an easy thing to say. But Jesus says something to us that... He said it to me when I read his word, and I thought, "Wow, it kind of hit me right there." You know. He said in John 14 verse 15, "If you love me, you'll keep my commands." And I thought about that, and I thought, "Well, okay. What are your commands, right?" And and I thought, you know, I'm a minister, and I can't even name off very you know, just rattle off a dozen or so. And as I started studying this. There's about 30. Did you know that? And I'm like, if you love me, I'm, I'm, every, every Sunday I'm worshiping Jesus. I'm loving him. I'm telling him I love him. But, you know, just like, you know, the husband that said, um, well, I told my wife that I loved her 30 years ago, and if I, anything changes, I'll let her know right? Uh, we, we, we need to do more than just say it, don't we? Right? Even in our own relationships, we realize that just speaking those things doesn't, you know, it's, it's, it's not only just about saying it, but how we say it, right? If I have the wrong inflection in my voice, I'm in trouble, right? And what I do to back up what I'm saying, amen? Amen? In other words, I'm not just saying I love Jesus, but I'm backing it up with his word, what he's spoken to me, and obedience to that. That is, Jesus said, that's showing me that you love me. If, you know, if, if you take a, uh, one of these sentences and you, and you emphasize a certain word, it, it has a little bit different sound to it. If, you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Right? If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Right? There's a lot of truth that we simply pass over in our hurriedness to get where we're going. And what we're doing, I want to take a little time. This is such a huge subject that I, I with fear and trembling, I, I attempt to breach it. And and I I told Alan um, that I would need two Sundays to do this because as I was studying it, it became overwhelming. <laughs> and so I'm going to do my best to try to get it to do it. Um, what the spirit I feel the spirit is saying. I'm by no means saying that this is complete nor perfect. But I'm I'm trying to relate what the Holy Spirit has spoken to me. And I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit will speak it into you. Because it's already making a difference in my life and how I face life and how I look at things. So I want to share this from my heart. And I need the Holy Spirit to help me. So, Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come, Lord. We invite you, Jesus. We invite your Spirit to come alongside us. You've said he would be the one that teaches. He will be the one that guides. So we ask for your teaching in our hearts, Lord. Place them in our heart, not just in our head. In Jesus' name. This, Jesus said, I have a new commandment. Is that you love one another as I have loved you? There's two aspects I see in in all of these commands that are common, and I'll I'll use the cross as um, to show you because I'm a visual person, you know, I see things, and so the the vertical of the cross is the Son of God. Jesus was the perfect Son of God. He came to show us what it was to be the Son of God, perfectly. That relationship between the Father and the Son was perfect. And he held it up for us as an example of what our relationship with God should be like. That's the vertical of the cross the horizontal of the cross is the Son of Man. And he came to walk before us to model behavior and life in front of us to say, This is what the Son of Man looks like. He, he came to show us exactly what it would be to be perfect son of man. So he was he he mastered all Horizontal relationships for us to show us what it looks like. And, and, and if you come from a broken family, you have the wrong behavior modeled in front of you, don't you? We all do have so to an extent, don't we? And so Jesus came to show us what does this look like, this horizontal relationship with man. It looks like the Son of Man. What does, what does the vertical look like? The, the relationship between the Father and us. It looks like Jesus. So when I talk to you about these commands, I'm talking about Jesus. He, he, he said these commands because they are what He wants to do in us so that we look like the Son of God. So that we look like the Son of Man. So that when people look at us, they don't see us. They see Jesus in us. And so, this, this model is, there's the two aspects of it in all the commands. So the, to the best of my ability, I've broken them into these two areas. And today, I'm going to be talking about Jesus, the Son of God. That vertical relationship with the Father. The one that He modeled so perfectly to us. And how he, his priorities, his time, and how he spent his his, uh, his, time on earth before us, he showed us this is what matters in our relationship with the Father. And he said, if you love me, you'll do this. You see, our love is... Human love is quite often transactional, isn't it? In other words, I give you some love, you give me some love back. You quit giving me love back, I don't give you any love anymore. That's the way of the world, isn't it? That's a transactional love. God's love isn't like that. God's love is unconditional. I love you. You're, you're, you're a sinner. I love you. You're messed up. I love you. <laughs> you, you. You actually hate God. He still loves you. It's amazing, isn't it? That's not like our kind of love. It's not a transactional love. It is a love that transcends our love. When we as believers begin to apply this kind of love to our lives, things change. We can change the world by changing in us how we respond to God. And and this, I believe this is very powerful to look at his commands and to say, I love you, Jesus, to do it out of love, right? There's no law here. The law has been fulfilled, hasn't it? Jesus said, "I, I didn't... Come to abolish the law or the prophets. But rather, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. He didn't come to do away with the law, but he's already fulfilled it for us. We're spoiled, right? He's fulfilled it already. As we look at this, we can... If we don't see that the Holy Spirit is our source, then we can become Pharisees, can't we, on the one side? Or we can become go into licentiousness on the other. The Word of God is about balance. You need to find the center of what God is doing and stay in that. There's safety in the presence of the Holy Spirit guiding and leading us. And that's what we're looking for. Jesus fulfilled all that he was the covenant keeper. We have been the covenant breakers. We need to depend on him. You see, he didn't just take the law and said, "Um, I fulfilled the law uh, and therefore grace just covers everything. He said, I come to put a finer point on the law. If you've we used to be, you talk about committing adultery as the actual act. I'm talking about the heart. Where is your heart? Did you lust after the woman in your heart? You've already committed adultery in your heart. He puts a finer point on it, doesn't he? Because it was all of the law that was coming at the Jews was coming externally, wasn't it? It wasn't about a heart change. It was about an external obeying a command, staying within the boundaries, and law brings death, and death in a big way. Jesus came to give us life, and life in a big way, abundantly. So he says, the law isn't coming from outside anymore. It's, he said, I will write my laws on their hearts. Right? That's the change, is I will write my laws on their hearts that they do it from a place of If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Right? If we love him, it's all motivated. It's all coming from a heart of love. There's no longer the condemnation of the law on us. There's the freedom of loving Jesus in it. Amen? There's a freedom in that. The law constricts. The Holy Spirit gives freedom, and gives life. We all are looking for life, aren't we? There's only one source of life, the one who created all of it. <laughs> he put not only a finer point on them, but he also began to correct the false interpretations of the law, didn't he? There's a whole a lot of the passages in Matthew begin with, you have heard it said... Eye for an eye. Right. But I tell you, boy, this was this was really a challenge to everything that they understood. <laughs> because, you know, they they valued the Word of God so much that they didn't want to change one little thing about it. And they, you know, they would write this, the Pharisees they would write only a certain section, they'd go wash themselves, and they'd come back and they'd write another section. And they valued the word. And Jesus was here now challenging much of what they understood and false things that they had interpreted the law to be. be. He said, you've heard it said this, but I tell you this. So he, he, in his role as the son of God, establishing the right relationship with the father, he began to rip away some of their preconceived notions about how we relate to the father he began to tear them apart and he, he didn't get a good warm fuzzy from a lot of the pharisees did he when he began to do that so he he tore apart some of the things that they held close to themselves because they were entrenched in the law knowing that The law was bringing them death. He was trying to give them life. But he said, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you won't even see the kingdom of God. (laughs) Not only will you not go in, you won't even see it as it goes by. So it's important that we understand Jesus' perspective as the Son of God. What is the right way to relate to the Father? In Matthew 5, he's, he says, everyone who's just angry with his brother will be in danger of judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to hell fire. He's saying your perceptions are flawed in that they don't address the heart issue. Right? They don't really get to the heart of the matter. Where is your heart? So, the first of the commands that Jesus gave us to keep was to keep His commands. <laughs> and in order to keep His commands, we must know them. Amen? And so, I've set out to try to know them. Try to know what, what He's saying. In our first step in towards a relationship with the Father... Uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 verse 7, he says, seek me first, right? He says, seek, ask and it will be given you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. Have a heart that looks for me, right? This kind of heart that seeks God. I, I sought God for a long time and... Uh, I sought God through all different, I looked at all different kinds of religions. I was just like making a checklist and going through and, nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. And I came to uh, Christianity and I kind of paused. And it, and it, it wasn't anything that anybody said. There was a ring of truth. It was like, bing, that rings true. And so I listened, and I sat in a congregation like this for a long time, over a year, listening to the Word, listening to the Word, and just going, hmm, okay. And it rang true. And if you'd ask me, um, do you believe uh, that Jesus is the Son of God? I'd say, yes, I do. But I didn't have a relationship with Him. And if I had died at that point, I wouldn't have gone to heaven because I didn't know him. I knew about him and I believed even, but I had no relationship. He's saying, seek me. Seek and you'll find. So I began to seek and I did find. Because if you're honestly seeking the truth, you'll end up at the cross. You'll end up kneeling before the cross. If, you, if, you're, if you're intellectually honest, you will end up kneeling before the risen Savior because He's the only way. Follow the narrow path to life. You see, the other thing is, is He is the only way. <laughs> he's not just the way; He's the only way. Uh, I, I was, we were, we were in the line uh, going through where the toll gate is. You know, down here at Marion Hill. And it was um, in the afternoon, and the gate was coming down on the one next to us. And there was a guy on a motorcycle, and he went, Wah! and he was trying to run the gate. Wah! And the gate came down, and doom! And his motorcycle went. Woo! And it, <laughs> I mean, he was going fast. And the guy went Woo! like this: crash, roll, burn. And um, I, I, I pulled over. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm. You know, what what the <laughs> what the heck happened to this guy? So I go out and he's laying there on the ground like this, right? You know. So I'm standing over him and I'm like, um, I'm medically trained. Can I help you? And a whole lot of cursing, you know, came out of him and he's like waving me off, you know. And um I thought, Wow, you saved six Rand there, dude. <laughs> to spend 6,000 rand fixing your bike, you know, which is pieces are scattered all over the place, you know. I was like, wow. He ran the gate, yeah? There is a narrow gate, right? (laughs) And there's only one way in. And you can't pay the toll yourself. You can't pay the toll yourself. I. You can't run the gate either. There's no other way. Uh. I, one time when I was going through, somebody in front of me paid my toll. I thought, wow, that's really cool, you know? I get up there and said, no, that guy paid your toll. Like, okay, cool. So I go on through. And that's what Jesus does for us He pays our toll. We just go right through. But we have to go through the right gate, don't we? You can't run the gate, there's only one way, and that's Jesus. The next command, Jesus met with Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to him by night, which is interesting. Um, And he said to him, Rabbi, he was giving him, showing him respect. He said, Rabbi, we know that you're from God. How else could you do all these things that you're doing? Jesus just kind of went, I'll buy that said, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Right? So he, the command, you must be born again. We seeked, we found, but there's a point where you have to be born again. We're all born of water. We all came from a woman, right? That's the first one. The second birth, it remains to be seen. Most of us here have that second birth, but maybe there's somebody that doesn't. There's an opportunity here for you. Obey the command. You must be born again. He said you cannot see the kingdom of God without being born into it. It's a family, right? We're family. We're born into a family. Uh, I was counseling a young woman who was very uh, upset and she had been rejected by her family, contemplating suicide. Said, you have a family and they love you. They love you just like you are. And if you're here this morning and you're hurting and you feel like no one loves you, you have a family that you can be born into. You're already born of, the wa- of water. You can be born of the Spirit. Come into the family. Enjoy what God has prepared for you. The kingdom is open to you. I found Jesus with his arms open, waiting for me. He says, once we come in, he says in John 15, verse 4, he says, "Abide in me, and let me abide in you." You see um, we can look at these uh, commandments and go, "Wow, that's tough. How are we going to do this? you know I've tried this before and failed. And in that same verse that Jesus had, had talked about when he um, when he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He said, we have a helper. I, don't, don't worry. Don't sweat this. Don't get all upset. You have a helper. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. The plerakletos is the Greek word. One who comes alongside. Right? That's how close he is. He says he's, he's been with you and he will be in you. So... There's no need to dial up somebody or anything else. There he is. The Parakletos is right here. He will fulfill these commands in you. Our, our job is to yield to his will. Right? It, it, we have our own will. We have our own thing going on. But he's saying the Parakletos is right here. The Holy Spirit's right here. Yield to what he tells you. You'll fulfill these things because he is at one with everything that I'm doing. You can't go wrong by yielding to the Holy Spirit. So don't don't worry, don't fret. Jesus has the plan. He says, abide in me, and more importantly, allow me to abide in you, right? To live through you, right? Yes. <laughs> Where's the source of life? Again, Jesus is the source of life. He is the vine. We're a branch. If we're cut loose from the, the branch, we wither and die. Because we don't have life in us. It's not present in us. It is present in Him. So when we stay attached to Christ, when we fellowship with Him, when we commune with Him, as we did this morning, and we stay uh, attached in such a way that we transmit the life to fruit in our life. Amen? The branch doesn't do anything. It allows the life that's present in the vine to go through and produce fruit effortlessly. Right? So it's not about sweat. It's about submission. Right? So he says, we yield to him. Abide in me or... Live in my love. Stay in it. Right? We get opportunities every day to run outside of God's love. Right? He says, stay inside of it. That's the safe place. That's that's where my will happens. Abide in my love. What kind of love does God have? Again, it's not that transactional love of the world. It's that unconditional love we're to abide in. If we abided in our love, in our marriages, how better would they go? See, many of us, when we're born again, we don't transition wholly into the new world, right? We continue to apply the old things, much like the Pharisees did. You've heard it said, this, and Jesus said, but I say to you this, right? We do the same thing with His word in our marriages, don't we? If we abide in Jesus' love and we forgive each other unconditionally, how much better would we do? If the test of our Christianity was how we treat our wife, how are we doing? Right? How are we doing? Because that kind of love is not worldly love, is it? We need to apply Jesus' love In every area of our life. In our work. If we love people unconditionally in our work. How different would that look? If we apply this love in every area of our life, we'll be abiding in his love, won't we? We'll be living in his love. Staying in the center of it. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. In the same way, abide in his love. We have all the life and the love necessary to fulfill His commands. And the best form of governance is Holy Spirit governance, isn't it? Men try to govern externally, place laws, things like that. But if you have the Holy Spirit within you, and He's governing you and your behavior, it's the very best form of governance. There's no law against love. So, Remove stumbling blocks from our transformation. In Matthew five twenty nine verse 30, Jesus said, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body, than to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better for, that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. He's saying anything that keeps you from moving forward in your transformation, get rid of it, right? I mean, I use the example of, you know, an alcoholic who's trying to uh, receive deliverance from alcohol. It's not a good idea for him to keep a fridge full of beer, is it? No. Get rid of it, you know? Uh, There may be a point in their life later where they could have a beer or so in their fridge for somebody else, and that would be fine, but I don't know. But get rid of those things that are going to stumble you, right? They're going to cause you problems. Weed them out of your life. You know what they are? God knows what they are. The Holy Spirit knows what they are. Just get rid of them. It's better to get rid of this stuff. Your transformation is more important God wants to completely transform us, and He wants us to take His transformation seriously in our lives. Store up treasures in heaven. Matthew chapter six and verse 19 through 20 says, "Don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth, where rust or where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves can't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Again, Jesus mentioning the heart in his commands. He's, he, he knows our hearts, he wants us to lay our hearts before him. He's saying, Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Where you spend your time, your energy, your money, your attention, this is where your treasure is. And he's saying, I want, you've, you've done that all your life, and it's all been about you. He's saying, I want you to become eternally minded. Right? Isn't that what he's saying? I want you to become eternally minded. In other words, it's not all about you. It's not all about me. It's about his kingdom, establishing his kingdom in our lives and then in the lives of others. And he's the only way you can do that is to become eternally minded. Where do you place your most of your emphasis in your, in your life? You know, he knows you need food, clothing, shelter and all these things. He's perfectly aware of that. He but he wants your heart to be in a certain place. And he's saying, place, live with your heart stored in heaven. Right? Live with your heart stored in heaven. If you do that, you won't suffer any loss. Right? Nothing can get to where your real treasure is. (laughs) That's what he's saying, isn't it? We we all suffer loss. My brother just recently has uh, has been a faithful helper to me in and working in Peter Maritzburg. And you know he came home to find every single thing he owned burned right to the ground. Not one thing left. He had his clothes on his back. He had his stuff that he had in his pockets, and that was it. And it's yeah. And we ministered to him and helped him. But his treasure is in heaven. And yeah, he suffered loss here, and it it was hard for him. But but ultimately, his heart was where his treasure was, and his treasure was really there. Now, he had a setback here, but he didn't lose anything of eternal value. Amen? So that's what Jesus is saying. Store your heart in heaven, don't worry about material needs. In Matthew chapter 6, 25, he says, Don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, your body. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He he said, remember, that there's food that you don't know about. When he was talking to the woman at the well, there's food that you don't know about. And that was doing his Father's will. Right? If we put him first, if we make God your... The highest priority, that's another command. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If we put that first, then these other things will just be taken care of. God will take care of those things. He's promised in his word. So we're not to worry about the future. Don't be anxious for tomorrow, for the morrow will be sufficient for itself. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. He's saying, Uh, if you love me, you'll not worry about these things. If you love me, you'll put my kingdom first in your life. And if you love me, because you put my kingdom first in your life, these things will be taken care of. If you love me, you'll store your heart in heaven, because that's where I am. Amen? Amen? give to the poor pray and fast not to glorify yourself but to build relationship with me remember he's the son of god shows he's modeling behavior in front of us that is showing us what the father what a relationship with the father looks like what a perfect relationship looks like and he's saying don't be like these hypocrites you know, they're, they're praying in front of people to be seen of, of man. Pray because you want a closer relationship with me. Jesus went, it took time to be aside with his Father, to draw close to him. And, and he didn't really even need to like we do, did he? he? He loved his Father. It was a relationship of love. All of these commands are about love. If you love me... You'll draw close to my Father. You'll spend time praying alone because that's what matters to Him. Right? Not to to pray to be glorified or to appear to be something. Not to fast because uh, I'll look like a holy spiritual person. (laughs) Right? Nobody should even know you're fasting. If you love me, you'll hide the fact that you're fasting. And to pray like this. And we had such a, an amazing um, word on the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in this manner that I won't even expound any further on that. Um, but it, to pray in such a way that we remember these things when we're praying, right? These things are important. So... In, in uh, Mark chapter 11, there's a story of the, the fig tree. And I'm going to try to wrap this up real quickly here. I'm running out of time. Jesus cursed the fig tree. As you remember, the disciples came by, and they, uh, they saw that it had withered immediately. And he said, well, if you have faith in God, what kind of faith is he talking about? He's talking about the kind of faith that is impossible for us. Right? Right? There's a faith that, well, we could possibly do and pull off some way or another. This is a kind of faith that is impossible. So have faith towards the Father for things that are impossible for you. Right? That's what he's saying. It's impossible for you to go and move a mountain into the sea. But have faith towards God for that impossible thing in your life. Right? That's what he's saying. If you love me, you'll have faith for the impossible. He said in, and to eat and drink the covenant that we had this morning in remembrance of me. In, in uh, Luke chapter 22, he says, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you now, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he would given thanks, he broke it and said to them, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He's saying to remember the covenant. Remember the covenant. This covenant is poured out for you in my blood. If you love me, you'll remember this covenant. This was, a, a, this was an incredibly... Um, Divine moment," he said. Uh, people, you know, had left because he said, "If you don't eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you." They didn't understand it. it this was this was an incredibly pivotal moment, and he's sitting with the disciples and he's saying, "This is this is my my body." Do you understand what's happening? I'm making a covenant. See, the peace offering for God was you would take the peace offering and you take the perfect lamb and you would thrust the knife into it and kill it. And you would feel the life go out of it because you had to know that sin costs and it brings death. And to have a peace offering with God, you would eat, you would sit and eat sometimes with the priest himself. The offering which you brought. So Jesus was sitting in this moment and he's saying, I am the priest of the new covenant. But I'm also the offering. Take, eat. This is my body. Take my blood. This moment is pivotal because I won't do this again until it's in the kingdom with you. He's establishing the kingdom of God on earth with a new covenant in his own blood. He's making peace with all of men. He's sitting as the priest and as the offering. I'm both the priest and the offering. So, if you love me, you'll remember this covenant. You'll honor this covenant whenever you do it, that you remember. I'm your peace offering to God. We have peace with the Father because Jesus did that for us. Hallelujah. Knowing full well that what it was going to cost him, he sat with them. He knew the torture. The de- we, we only saw the outside. Can you imagine the demonic that was swirling around the Son of God on the cross? The the unspeakable evil that was swirling around the Son of God while he was on the cross. We only saw the horror of what happened to him externally. Can you imagine the most horrific thing of all was he was separated from his father. I've been separated from my son in the flesh. I know I'll be with them again. But I can only imagine the Father, the perfect love that the Father had for the Son, the perfect love that the Son had for the Father. He was the Son of God. Hallelujah. That moment, He said, This is a covenant I'm making. Remember it. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Let us keep his commands. Hallelujah. Amen.